if Amazon, Instagram, and Zara had a threesome, Sheehan would be their twisted love child. And with $30 billion in sales, customers really, really do love it. Shein is the fast fashion brand blowing up your TikTok. I'm talking hyper fast fashion. These guys make H&M look like a lunchtime lineup at the DMV. Today, I'm going to tell you about them. But before we get to that, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about me. I like sprinkles on my ice cream. I like expensive coffees from Starbucks. I like tzatziki on my chicken. I like that extra guac with my chips. And I love it. I love it when you guys leave ratings and reviews on this podcast. And even more than that, I love it when you tell your friends. This week, I got a, I got a text. I got a WhatsApp from a buddy of mine who said he got a text from his buddy. And he said, have you heard of the podcast, Making It With John Davids? You've got to listen to it. This guy's on fire. You got to check it out. So I love hearing that. And I'm asking you to do the same thing. Send this podcast, send this episode to a friend. Leave a rating, leave a review. Let me know what you think. That's how you can show your love for me. Now let's get to the show. You're listening to Making It with John Davids. Today, we are talking about Shein, the fast fashion brand I wrote about on LinkedIn a little while ago. And man, did I get heat for this post. Good heat, bad heat, some medium heat. So before I get into the episode itself, a couple things off the top. Number one, a lot of the information, a lot of the research for this episode is kind of wonky because this is a very secretive company. It's funny, actually, after I published my story, I heard from several members of the communications team. I got outreaches from a reporter and uh, people wanted to know, you know, sort of where I got my information from. It's all public information, guys. Nothing here proprietary, but everything I'm going to tell you, I'm sort of filling in the blanks where I don't know what the truth is or if big chunks of information is missing. I'm filling in the blanks. So don't use this as like a source for your college paper. I'm not trying to be Wikipedia up here. I'm just giving you my best estimations. And where I'm not sure, I'm filling in the blanks and I am here to entertain, inspire, and educate you. This podcast is not about the morality. I will get into the comments. And a lot of the comments are about the environment and labor and all kinds of stuff around. So I will talk about it. But you know, I'm here doing a business podcast. I'm here to talk about money. I'm here to talk about building and entrepreneurship. So a lot of the conversation around the morality of fast fashion and should or shouldn't she and exist. That's kind of a different conversation, a little bit above my pay grade. And finally, Full disclosure, I am not a customer of Shein. I've never purchased anything from Shein. No one in my family that I know of has purchased anything from Shein. And Shein is not a client of Influicity or any business that I own as of March 2023 when I'm recording this podcast. And with that, let's get into the conversation here. So let's go back to when Shein started back in 2008. The founder is Chris Zhu, an entrepreneur from China. And he launches the business by marketing wedding dresses online. So that's how the business starts. And there's some research online around how he was really good at search engine optimization, really good internet marketer in general. I'm going to make the assumption based on a lot of the stuff the company has done that this founder knows a thing or two about the internet, e-commerce, search engine optimization, organic search, social media, all that kind of stuff. 
So a few years into the business, he flips it to a fast fashion model and changes the name to Shein, which I think is an abbreviation or a combination of the words she inside. That's why it's pronounced Shein. A lot of people say Shane. I'm pretty sure it's Shein. He's now selling clothing for everyone at goofy low prices. It's mobile first, zero physical locations. And he is ridiculously good at it. Chris knows how to sell clothes online. Company grows rapidly. And by 2017, revenues top a billion, a billion dollars. But how is Shein pulling this off? Let's talk about the Shein playbook here. So the company leverages all the tools of modern retail to run an insanely efficient business. For starters, they use search trends, social data, and competitor scraping to rapidly deploy new products. And we are talking thousands and thousands of new pieces daily. I'm going to get into this a little more and some of the interesting comments I got about how they create products, the methods they use, and all this sort of stuff. But what you have to understand is they're creating a ton of stuff every day, but they're not actually manufacturing this stuff. Sheehan is promoting it to gauge interest, and they make the merchandise in small batches as interest gets displayed. So if a piece sells out, they make a lot more of it. If it doesn't sell at all, if it doesn't get any clicks, they don't worry about it. They don't make any of it. And plus, they do all of this at blazing fast speeds using a large network of suppliers. After all, they don't need to worry about getting products onto shelves. Again, online only. They just post thumb-stopping pics and wait for the clicks. Now, how do people actually find these products? Shein is very good at getting the word out. They got some serious, serious marketing hustle. Influencer marketing is at the core of what they do. They DM lots of creators across social, Instagram, TikTok mainly. They don't offer money. Instead, it's an all-you-can-wear buffet of clothing. All you got to do is show Shein some Insta love. And on top of that, they do Facebook marketing, they do out-of-home advertising, they do subway marketing, they do all kinds of stuff. They even have an event where they bring artists together. I think they've been doing this event for two years, so it's a big promotional IRL event experience. So they do a whole lot of stuff. Now, something else that's cool is when you open the Shein app, you get a blast of real-time marketing. Flash sales, buy one, get one free, absurd discounts. If you want a pair of earrings, you'll find them for $2. And if that's too much money, wait a hot minute and you'll get a random 60% off for the next 60 seconds flash and you can buy them then. These guys take impulse buying to the next level. If you were writing a movie about a retailer in 2023, Sheen would be the avatar, probably more of the caricature. They've merged algorithms, gamification, and real-time culture to create a dopamine-packed shopping blowout experience. And they've done it all while staying incredibly secretive, so secretive, zero CEO interviews. Chris Zhu, I think, is the name of the CEO and the founder, but I've actually found conflicting names online. I'm pretty sure that's the one. Conflicting origin stories, no CEO interviews, and I can't even find an office address. Seriously, if you Google Shein Office HQ, it just says Singapore. Now, in the comments, when I posted this, people actually did know the office address. So it's interesting. It's out there somewhere. And I don't, I don't know how the comms people felt about the address being published so freely in my comments, but I left it there. It's there for everyone to see. 
They've also racked up plenty of critics, but the business seems to be working. In 2022, Shein was the most downloaded shopping app in the world. And with a $68 billion valuation, it might be the poster child of a retail renaissance. So that encompasses the piece that I put out there on LinkedIn. And I want to share some more thoughts with you now. So I'm going to do a few things. I'm going to give you a few key takeaways, some really, really critical business and entrepreneurial things you can learn from Shein. And I'm going to get into the comments as well, because I thought there was so many interesting things that were said, good, bad, ugly about this company. And I just want to address them because I think it's interesting to see these kinds of comments and to understand that even when you're doing something that's working, you will get a lot of blowback for all kinds of reasons. All right, I want to talk about something called the environmental analysis. And if any of you guys listening have marketing degrees or MBAs, you might have done environmental analysis yourself. I did it, I think in my like intro to marketing course back in the in the early mid 2000s. So, the environmental analysis is what you do on a business to understand that business and its place in that industry. And the environmental analysis has six things to look at. And I'll list them out right now. Pay close attention. Political, legal, economical, technological, societal, and cultural. All right, let's go through each one of those things. The idea behind this is to look at shifts in any of those things to see if there's opportunities for you that can help you. And of course, opportunities that might hurt you. So some examples. Let's talk legal. Something like marijuana. Marijuana is illegal, and then it becomes legal in many states. Alcohol is legal, and then prohibition comes in the early 1900s, and it's now illegal. Anytime something is illegal and becomes legal or is legal and gets illegal, if you look at something as well like the NIL name image likeness laws around what college athletes can do with their name image and likeness, The fact that college athletes can now monetize their NIL is huge because it means that they can make money if they have big TikTok followings, big Instagram followings. Check out TikTok. You'll see college basketball players, gymnasts, football players actually being able to make money now where they couldn't before because of the change in NIL laws. So that's one example of how a legal matter could completely shape or change a business for the good or the bad. Quick break here while I tell you about something really exciting I've been working on called the Business Essentials Kit. Here's the deal. I get asked all the time, John, how do you run your business effectively? What's the best way to build a website? How do I get a branded email? How do I save on legal fees? How do I manage my social media? So what I've done is I put a kit together for you for free You can download it at johndavids.com with all the tools and services that I use to run my business. Get it right now for free at johndavids.com. Let's talk about politics. Sometimes political leanings are in one side and sometimes they're at another side. If you are a big company, if you're Microsoft, if you're Google, if you're Tesla, if you're Twitter, if you're Facebook, you are constantly looking at the political leanings in Washington and elsewhere, the EU and, and everywhere else to say, okay, are the winds blowing our way? Are they blowing another way? If you are Facebook and you know Congress is attacking you or you're Amazon or you're Google or Microsoft and you're getting lobbed antitrust lawsuits from the government, those are political things that you need to look out for. So that's the political side. The economical side. 
when you're looking at the world and you're saying, okay, how are people feeling today economically? Are they flush with cash? Are they feeling a little more tight? Are interest rates going up? How is inflation looking? The economical situation plays a huge part in how any business is able to run. When you look at societal and cultural issues, I'll, I'll blend these together because this is sort of uh, kind of the same thing. They're a little bit different, but let's just say for the sake of arguing, society and culture leans one way or another. So if all of a sudden people feel a certain way, people are pro this or anti this, you know, back in the 80s, being conservative, being Republican was the mainstream mind frame. Now it's much more, you know, like there's a whole liberal spin and, and companies are trying to become more liberal. Again, none of this is about personal judgment or how you feel. If you're running a business, you want to see which way the winds are blowing, which way your customers are feeling. And if you want to appeal to that set of customers, you need to align with them from a social and cultural standpoint. Let's talk about the last one here, technology. And I save technology for last because it brings me right back to the conversation about Shein. You guys knew I was coming back there, right? So when there are technological shifts, and there are so many these days, I mean, it's like every freaking day, another technological shift. Let's think about some big ones from the last 30 or 40 years. How about the internet? Pretty big technological shift. How about mobile devices, mobile phones? How about augmented reality and virtual reality? How about crypto? How about artificial intelligence? Right? There is so much technological innovation happening. And when you see these changes, and this is the part to listen to and pay attention to, because this is what entrepreneurs need to understand. When there are technological changes, it provides an opportunity for a business to rise up and dominate. It provides an opportunity for a business to rise up and dominate. When there's a tech change, a legal change, a political change, an economic change, a cultural change, a society change, any one of those things are opportunities for you to rise up. So look at Shein, the way that their supply chain works, which is a part of technology, supply chain, physical technology, the way it runs. They have thousands and thousands of suppliers that they work with on a regular basis. That's a big deal. They get their product out there with zero physical stores. That's a big deal. They're able to promote it on social media and create a blaze of fire a blaze of people seeing their products and falling in love with their products, things going viral. That's a technological shift. Shein could not have existed 20 years ago because none of these technologies were happening, right? What else did they do? Well, economically speaking, these days when Shein is getting so much attention, a lot of people in a lot of countries are feeling a shift in their economic situation, right? We have runaway inflation. We have interest rates rising. We had banking problems, banking failures happening in the US. So people are feeling a little more tight with their cash. Again, that helps Shein. People are feeling okay buying clothing online, buying apparel online. Again, that's a, bit, a major societal shift. So those are things that go in to building a company and, and going where the wind is blowing, not trying to fight against what's happening, but going with it. When you see these things, and there are so many examples, Uber, Instagram, the iPhone, Nike, Ford Motor Company, 
I can go on and on with businesses that were built because of huge shifts in the environment. So that environmental analysis, those are things to look for. When you're building a business or you're looking for ways to shift or grow your business, look at the environment. Those six factors will tell you what is a good thing to do based on what's happening in the broader macro society, trends, technology, etc. One last example I'll give you, one of my favorites, one of everyone's favorites, Netflix. Netflix started as a mail-order DVD business. And then when streaming came along and they were able to actually access because of bandwidth and everyone had devices and they were comfortable streaming at home, boom, Netflix shifts from a mail-order DVD company to a streaming company. The pandemic happens again, huge, huge societal shift and political shift and government shift. Everyone's locked down in their homes. Boom, Netflix goes through the roof again. So there are some examples. Hope that all makes sense to you. Now, I want to get to the comments. And these comments fell in a few different buckets. I'm going to give you four buckets of comments, and I'll address each one of them. So the first one was a lot of criticism of fast fashion. And I thought thought this one was kind of interesting because fast fashion is not new. I mean, H&M and Zara, which are fast fashion pioneers, some of the biggest companies, biggest clothing companies in the world, huge, huge companies have been in the fast fashion world. But you know, I'm looking at my comments and it's like, people are talking about how this is disposable clothing. It's bad for the environment. It's not of high, high quality. So people are going to wear it and toss it away after you know a few wears. I hear all that. Where I'm not sure I totally get it is, you know, look at... Target and Walmart, I mean, is that super high quality clothing? Like, aren't people wearing clothing from Walmart and throwing it away? Not everybody can afford to buy a shirt for 120 bucks from Gap or whatever. I don't buy that many much clothing. So I'm not even sure where to reference it. But the whole point is, yeah, if you are somebody that's buying, you know, you're a mom of three kids and you're on a budget, yeah, you're going to buy from a place like Shein or H&M or Zara or someplace that has fast fashion because that's sort of what people do. So it's not that I, I don't, I'm not looking at the, at the climate and the impact it has on the climate, but I think the solution, the much more reasonable solution there is not to fight consumer trends, but to look at ways that you can make clothing in a way that's more sustainable. And maybe there's a way to trade it off. So A, I don't know if it's biodegradable or you make it from uh, materials that are better for the earth, or you create some kind of system where when you're done with it, you can give it to somebody else. I can tell you personally, I actually never throw away clothing. When I'm done with my clothes, if I wear a pair of jeans and I've worn them for two years and, and they wear out, I donate them. So I, I donate all my clothing. I assume it goes somewhere. I put it in a box in the donation bin. So I'm not sure if I totally understand the criticism of fast fashion from a unique standpoint, I understand that there's damage to the earth, but I don't know that it's unique to Shein in any particular way. So that was the first criticism. The second big bucket of comments was parents saying how they their kids love Shein, which is like the most obvious way that you can tell when every mom and dad is saying, oh my God, my kid loves it. I have three kids. I'm, you know, I can spend 60 bucks and get a whole season for all my kids. So understanding the consumer sentiment and why people like this stuff, I don't know if the downside of the clothing is you know disposable, it's not high quality. I'm not sure that's the value that these parents are looking at when they're buying clothing for the kids because the kids are going to grow out of them. They're going to get dirty. So again, from a pure business standpoint, it's interesting that one person says it's not high quality enough 
But that's not what the customer's looking at. The customer's looking at the economical value, which again, people are, are hurting right now financially, and they need to be able to afford it. So a lot of parents saying how much they love this brand. Okay, the third bucket. A lot of stuff around labor practices, child safety, environmental impact again, but like more so that the, a lot of accusations around whether or not Shein's practices or the suppliers that Shein uses are you know nice to their employees. I'll be honest, I don't have any idea around this. When I was in college, we looked at case studies around Nike and Nike was you know huge back in the day, back in the 80s and 90s. There was so much talk about you know, are they using illegal practices to make their clothing? Is it child labor and this and that, sweatshops, all this kind of stuff? So this is not new in terms of accusations for big apparel companies. And I don't really have anything else to say about it. I have no idea if they're a company that is doing terrible things. That's awful. They shouldn't be doing that. But it's way above my pay grade. So the fourth comment was around copying designs of others. So... There was a comment on my post around how Shein takes other people's designs and sells them. But what was interesting was that in that comment, in the thread of comments on that subject, people were also accusing... I saw Home Depot in there. I saw a few other companies. Oh, yes, this company does it. This company does it also, which sort of muddied it a little bit. I don't know if that was actually helping the point. But again, the idea that they are copying designs... And I think this might be because... And I'm getting a bit out of my over my skis here but i think i think shein is actually in some markets it is a marketplace for other people to sell their clothing so in other words shein is not making the clothing and selling it it's much more of like an amazon marketplace in some markets not in all markets and so in those cases you might have again 5000 suppliers making clothing and selling clothing and then someone comes along and says, hey, that shirt is similar to the design that I made. And again, when you're talking about these, this volume, this quantity of stuff out there and the fact that it's all on the internet and people are getting designs from everywhere, inspiration from everywhere. I mean, it sort of reminds me of when someone's like, oh, well, this song is a knockoff of that song. Listen, guys, there's like seven melodies in the entire world. And every song is just kind of knocking off some other song. So again, not making excuses. If somebody goes out and steals a design, that's obviously terrible. They shouldn't do it. But I don't know if it's that exact or if it's more of, hey, this looks a lot like what I made. Yeah, it does. But it just happened because you're talking about orders of magnitude, literally millions of pieces of designs being created on an annual basis, cumulatively, and this stuff is bound to happen. So that's a rundown of the comments. I wanted to go through them because I know a lot of people that follow me on social will also listen to this podcast. So I read all this stuff, guys. I get it. It makes me think. I learn things. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for enjoying this post. If you like content like this, I'm going to ask you to follow me on social. I'm across all platforms. I'm up on YouTube now, by the way. I'm loving what the, the feedback and the virality that I'm getting on YouTube shorts. It's awesome. And of course, if you like this podcast, leave me reviews, leave me ratings, subscribe on Apple and Spotify, and I will see you guys next time.